I am a sea of love. 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 You are a sea of love. You are a sea of love. We are a sea of love. We are a sea of love. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to share a few announcements for this um, late summer, fall of 2021. First of all, and um, I, you may have been hearing me introduce myself as Sama Morningstar for quite some time, and I have recently made the decision to go back to using my birth name of Jessica and my married name of Huckabay. So you'll hear me introducing myself as Jessica from here on out. Uh, if anyone, if you're curious about the the reasons why I'm making that transition, you're welcome to reach out to me and I'd be happy to talk with you more about it. The other announcement that I want to make is that this episode that you're, well, I'm creating a series of episodes uh, for this fall, uh, all about ancestral healing. Uh, And this, all of this is leading up to and sort of whetting our appetite for the month long ancestral healing program that I will be hosting starting October 31st. And this program is part of the Biomystical Womb Apprenticeship Program, but you can join just for the month long ancestral healing portion. And in this program, I will be holding space for you to discover your connections with your ancestors and find healing connections. So a lot of people are concerned about connection, connecting with their ancestors, especially the more wounded um, or difficult ancestry. And so it stops them from exploring ancestral healing. And in this program, we will explore ways to be able to access the wisdom and the healing um, parts of our ancestry to and and to help us liberate ourselves from the wounding patterns of the unhealthy and difficult aspects of our ancestry. So if this is of interest to you, go to wombcenteredhealing.com and look for the ancestral healing course. And um, all of these podcast episodes uh, for the next month or so, we'll be we'll be discussing various aspects of ancestral healing with the, with the guests on the show. So, looking forward to sharing that all with you. And um, I hope you enjoyed the episode.
Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Jessica Huckabay and I have Asha here with me. Thank you so much for joining us, Asha. Um, we were having a conversation on social media about ancestral healing and about amplifying the voices of women of color, people of color around this topic specifically. There's quite a number of um, things to talk about around that. So I'm super glad that you were willing to come on here and discuss that with us today, uh, with me and with, uh, you know, the people, who, the listeners bringing these topics to the forefront of our awareness. So thank you so much. And I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit more and share some of your, some of your feelings about these topics. Sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Yeah, I really appreciate this time in our in our planet where um, more people of different backgrounds get to be a part of the of important conversations, especially around healing and spirituality. So I appreciate that since you have a platform and, um, you know, amplifying our voices is um, it's the way to uh, make all the voices heard. So thank you. Um, so I am of uh, Indian descent, and I grew up in Latin America in Venezuela. Um, and I came to the US um, to study molecular biology, if you can believe that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then through the years, just really started connecting more and more to that old wise part within. And even while I was, you know, working in, in the biotech industry, consulting, sales, business development, I was I became a minister, you know, I worked to, um, to become a, a priestess, um, learning karma healing, feng shui practitioner, like all these things just to really, and I didn't even see it as I was doing this for a job. I was really just using these, um, the, this knowledge and this wisdom as a way for me to heal and um and kind of bring that home right i had i have a very um my oldest daughter who just went to college oh my god um is <laughs> you could have a whole nother podcast just about yeah 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 that, that. Right? <laughs> that's true um was such a spirited kid in ways that brought me to my knees quite frankly and um and really called me in to do that deep healing right mm -hmm. And so because of her, I came into human design, which is like one of the things that I teach on. And, and the topic that you and I were talking about has started surfacing in, in the past three or four years, because I developed this school called the Modern Priestess School. And in the school, a lot of my students are of diverse backgrounds, like there's, you know, white folks, and there's like, people that are mixed. And then there's people who are adopted who like, don't necessarily know exactly can pinpoint exactly where they come from. And so part of the work really became of fostering a ceremonial space for people to connect to their, their whole heal benevolent ancestors and to their lineage, right. And to really cultivate that from that ceremonial space. And of course, like follow the breadcrumbs, right. Like if you, if you, if you know you're of Irish descent or you know you're of African descent, of course, do the research. Like it's, it's there, it's available. Go find the teachers that are, 
of those lineages who can help you and facilitate the process. Just like we, you know, you and I have had, I'm assuming um, that you've had teachers, you know, they facilitate our, our own journey. And so do that, right? But some people don't have access to where they come from. And like for some of us, like I, you know, I am a little bit hesitant of getting a DNA test because like, you know, uh, I don't know, like what, who and what is going to do with that information. <laughs> and so some people don't want to divulge um, what, what they are. And so what do we do? I mean, there is so much we can do aside from having intellectual knowledge of, of where we come from. And I find it that in ceremony, you know, and you and I were chatting a little bit about like, well, it gets a little dangerous when people start saying like, well, I received this and I have this, you know, intuitive hit to go and do this thing. And, and maybe that thing is, um, you know, oh, I don't know, maybe potentially a, it's a more on the appropriating end of things. And, and then they're making money from that thing. And, and so the way that I have found to be the safest way, the most honest, full of integrity way is when we are in that inquiry and ceremonial space. And where we, re go ahead. Well, I'm just curious if you could say more about what constitutes ceremonial space and, and what, what you teach about to help people create that that kind of safety, uh, you know, and I, I can share my reflections about it too, because what's coming up for me is that there needs to be an activation of our sense of ethics and yeah. caring for other people. Yes. Because so often in our healing process, we get swept up in our own need to yes. feel a certain way. And with, and we haven't been taught how to pay attention to how what we're doing might be affecting other people. In fact, oftentimes we're taught to disregard how or out of necessity, we've had to learn how to disregard, especially if we're in, uh, if we're healing from relationships where others were disregarding our feelings and would use their feelings to continue to harm us by telling you, oh, you're hurting me. You have to stop doing that thing that's, you know, and, and in order to get free of people that were dominating mm -hmm. our lives and harming us, we had to learn how to disregard their feelings in order to do what felt good to, for us, right? There's, there's a definitely those who are in, in that domination role in our lives. And so there's a shift though, that then needs to be made of saying, oh, if I'm in a domination role with others in my life, historically or culturally or ethnically in any, in, you know, to recognize that our system is set up to be this domination-based hierarchy and how do we return to partnership-based is by caring for everyone and liberating ourselves from that system, however we've internalized it. And um, not using not using other people's traditions for our own benefit without regard to how that might affect other people in a harmful yeah. way. And so I'm curious, I, I just needed to share my little bit two cents there and to sort of evoke what you might have to say about all of that. 
So a few things come to mind. Okay. One of the things is, is that when the separation already exists, um, it, which is basically what you were talking about, right? Like when we're separated, when we are unrooted is when we are not thinking about our ripple effect of our own, our, our own energy, mm-hmm. our own actions, our own thoughts, uh, deeds, words, right? And then the other piece that comes to mind is in the work that I do, there are three ethos that have, that seem to work to cultivate that self, um, you know, self-healing, self-preservation, self-thriving, and also that, that integrity piece and that ethics piece. And the three pieces that I use is feel good, be wealthy, give back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe the be wealthy feels like that. Well, that's a little, that sounds a little unspiritual. To me, it's not because someone's got to fund the movement. Right. <laughs> so this is how I see it, you know, and, and as a woman who, you know, migrated to the U.S. by herself, completely by myself when I was 18, um, I really, I really found it to be quite useful to be able to um, build my, my own wealth and to build and to like have that example for, for my daughters and for whatever reason, life structured itself so that I was kind of the primary kale winner. So that became a central theme and and I would just see it as a really important piece. And that feel good piece is, I think a lot of what you're, what, you know, you and I are talking about in that journey of healing, right? How do we not, not just, how do you arrive to feeling good? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of work to arrive to feeling good. There's, there's the healing, there's the like, you know, healing, not just like this life trauma, but potentially like past life stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like cultivating boundaries, cultivating um, uh, yeah, boundaries and the level of like, you know, what is me? What is you? How are we in relationship to one another? And then that, you know, so feel good, be wealthy, give back. And then that give back piece is put in place. And I don't know if this is the right wording to use, but the feeling that I wanted to arrive at the give back was what is my impact? Mm-hmm. How am I impacting? And so you can take this model and kind of superimpose it in your personal life, your business, your spiritual practice, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you and I were chatting a little bit about, um, well, what happens when somebody is, you know, I, like I said, I'm lucky that I'm of uh, Indian background, of Hindu tradition, and I get to participate freely in, you know, pujas and, and yoga, and no one's going to like bat an eyelash over that. Right. But like, does that mean that I'm in a position to police people from utilizing these like ancient traditions that have been held in place generation after generation? I I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't think that's my job. Um, I, I think it's a little pompous for me to even do that. But what I do know is that if you are using the cats out of the bag a little bit too, right? With yoga, like it's out there, like, what are we going to do with this? We can't like bring it back in. But what I think, I think what we can do if you or me, if we are utilizing traditions that don't, are not part of our lineage, 
then how are we honoring that? Mm-hmm. How are we honoring that finance? And if we're, certainly if we're making money from that thing, I would absolutely have a model in place where you are giving back financially mm-hmm. in the same way that you receive giving back financially to those groups of people that have been marginalized for that very thing that you do. Because let's face it, you know, yogis in India don't get to have a living wage by being a teacher of yoga. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not saying like yogis, you know, yoga teachers in the U.S. are either, but those who like have books and teacher trainings and so on and so forth, you know, are, have been savvy enough to do that. And I am not here to demonize anyone for their business model, but just to like add like, okay, it's this way. How do we make it right? And then the third piece that came up when you were sharing all of that is that, yes, I have a model of, you know, how we enter into ceremony. And and this model um, was um, given to me by a friend, Christina Solaris. I just want to honor her for so sort of having this like ceremonial model that um, that is not about any one culture. And the very first thing is finding out whose land do you inhabit? Mm. And that right there, the very ground upon which we sit in, before we get etherical, before we go into meditation, into ancestral healing, womb healing, you name it, honor the ground you are living on. And who are the rightful indigenous stewards of those lands? That in and of itself can be the thing that really grounds you, even before you connect to your own lineage. Because then you start like really connecting to the ground, really connecting to the roots of where you get to live. Like, never mind your ancestry, never mind your DNA, never mind all that beautiful lineage that you're a part of. And and maybe some of it is not so pretty and not so beautiful. Mm -hmm. But honoring the very ground is is like the if if people listen to nothing, like if they can't, you know, what I'm everything that we say, nothing is like there's too much or where do I? Like, that's the one thing. Mm-hmm. Do that one thing. Well, I'd like to do that now, uh, if you'd be willing yeah. to indulge me for our for our session here, because mm-hmm. I want to honor the, the Pomo tribe that is the rightful indigenous stewards of the land where I live. Um, can you share? Nipmuc, the Nipmuc people for me in, in occupied, um, so it's occupied Nipmuc. land in harvard massachusetts yeah okay beautiful and and you know for me i i'm loving what you're saying because it gives people a starting point of being aware of the land that we're on and how many of us especially here in the united states you know how powerful it can be to start to recognize that this there's there's trauma in the land itself mm-hmm. for all of us that's that's what i experience the deeper i've gotten into that acknowledging and connecting with 
the land in the way that you're describing, the more I become aware of what actually happened to the Pomo people mm-hmm. and what actually happened to the traditions that were caring for the land and the very reason why there's so much trauma in the people that live here now, so much mental illness and, and mm-hmm. so much environmental I mean, I live in in prime fire season. Every year I've evacuated for for fire wildfires for the last five or six years. And um, the community that I lived in was was majorly destroyed, decimated uh, in 2015 um, in the Valley Fire. If anyone's curious to, to look that up, it was one of the largest fires at that time since we've had even more large fires but this was the first one that that was that really um decimated uh people's homes in our area um and and then since then over 50 percent of our of our county has been destroyed by wildfires in the last number of years and this that my awareness of the traditions of the indigenous people, the indigenous stewards of this land, and how those were decimated, and how that is um, that reality is is part and parcel of why we're suffering so much from wildfires. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a really important point to, for anyone to consider, right? Like take a look at what is happening in your land and, and, you know, um, I'm a, I'm definitely an eternal optimist and the beauty and the, the, the blessings that I have seen from cultivating that relationship with the in, with the spirits of the indigenous stewards has been one of um, of how supportive they are when we ask. It's not just acknowledgement because acknowledgement co- kind of perpetuates that piece that you're saying of. The, the separation, the entitlement that we feel. Acknowledging is just like, well, I'm just acknowledging that, you know, you existed here. But permissions, permissions is a whole other level of humility of saying like, I am going to wait until I hear you. I'm going to wait until you actually open the door. And, and you know, I, I do this, this program called Sacred Commerce. And part of, it sounds funny to have something named sacred commerce and then like ask people to be in ceremony, but that's what we do. Mm -hmm. And, and part of what, you know, I had people do was opening ceremonial space to ask permissions of the land and ask permissions of the indigenous stewards to even begin a ceremonial relationship with their business. And one woman said, well, what happens if they say no? And I'm like, okay, well, that's a really good question. And if they say no, there's probably something else they want. <laughs> you 
you know, like there's, you're not bringing all the things to the table, <laughs> right? There's, there's wow. usually a no means like there's more here. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I've had a recent experience of that where I was really I asking for support and kind of like asking for permission if you know and and this and I said this is a sign that I need that I have permission to move forward with this or that that I have the support that I need to move forward and I didn't get the sign that I needed and and I knew that there were these other avenues that I could go in which involves putting myself in a position to better serve the local descendants. It's like any relationship, right? Like you and I were talking earlier about this is our first time chatting and you made it very clear that, you know, if there are things that I need, that our relationship is more important than the end product, right? You, you you asked me that you opened that up in that way. Mm -hmm. Well, that is the same in any relationship, including the relationship with the indigenous stewards, the the spirits of the land, and even our ancestors. Like, please don't think, uh, whoever's listening to this, that the moment that you build your first uh, ancestor altar, that they're just going to be all pouring in, giving you all the ceremonies of your lineage. And then you're just going to be, you know, anointed as the, the ceremonial keeper of the lineage. It just doesn't work that way because it's like any relationship Mm -hmm. in order for them to show up, they need to know you're showing up and how you're showing up. Are you showing up with respect? And and listen, like if you have a a grandparent, um, you know, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Like they ask for you to show up in a very specific way and they want to give their blessings in a very specific way. And if you don't show up in that way, there's like, you know, a little bit of an eye roll or eyebrow raise or something, or your mother's getting talked to about what's happening here, right? And it's the same thing. There is a level of reverence that they are asking us to show up to. And most of us, myself included, are clueless to what it actually means to show up in reverence. And our ability, our own unique ability to get schooled is what will allow us to actually be recipients of incredible wisdom. Mm -hmm. Like it's okay. Like if you've been, if you've been at it for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it doesn't matter, but your willingness to show up as a student and always like, oh my God, I was not aware of that thank you. I'm sorry. And, you know, and anytime like you hear even indigenous elders say this in ceremony, I find this fascinating, like people who like, this is what they breathe, eat, do every day. They still say, and I'm sorry for anything that I do in ceremony that, you know, it's not to your liking. And I always like, every time I hear that, I'm like, wow, they're saying that. I got to remember that one. You know, I got to remember to put that one back in. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I've definitely had the experience of feeling like I was called to do something. And in an arena that I'm usually able to 
to make things work with technology quite easily. I have an ancestor who assists with that kind of thing, I feel like, and, 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 and facilitates these kinds of things like, you know, and so I was, I had this feeling like I was going to do this thing. And there was an aspect of it that I wasn't aware of that was going to be harmful to somebody. And all of these, it's like all my ancestors were throwing all these wrenches in and they were not letting the one who usually helps me with the tech, they were not letting him, you know, facilitate and he wasn't even going to try right because all the grandmothers are like uh-uh well, <laughs> you know really the grandmothers, the grandmothers <laughs> right like, mm. yeah and and it and it took me and they just kept saying uh-uh until I was able to see what it was and they basically just stopped and so I feel like my ancestors have my back because I have showed up for my relationship with them, but that doesn't always look like I wanted to look like I was really disappointed that that project didn't get to go forward. And I was also really grateful that I, it, that it got stalled out and thwarted for long enough for me to wake up to the piece of it that I didn't realize enough for me to be able to apologize to those who it was going to harm before any big unreversible damage had been done granted that might you know there was some damage that was done that that I might not be able to to patch up in a particular Mm -hmm. relationship but it didn't completely wipe the relationship off the planet right it just Mm -hmm. it just backed it up as to how intimate it could be um so Whereas if I had been able to go through that project, it would have wiped that relationship off the planet completely, right? It would have just, so, so, you know, I could sit here and feel like a failure about that project or what's instead has happened is I'm grateful, even though it was painful, Mm. And I'm in the process of another shift of like wanting to go forward with something in my business and having certain aspects of it be, be thwarted. And, and it's, you're reminding me of saying, okay, thank you. Even though I'm starting to see, and I am seeing more and more, especially from this conversation that, wow, needing to go in this other direction because that didn't go forward is putting me in a better position to serve the actual living descendants Hmm. of the people of this land, which doesn't, it, it might not like give me the comfy lifestyle that I would like to cultivate for myself, because it's requiring me to go into like get a job as a healthcare professional mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of relying on my online business and being able to serve this beautiful international community. Right. But instead I'm going to be training in, in an Avenue of healthcare that I'm passionate about, but then, you know, having to have a job instead of being an entrepreneur is like, oh, I'm not looking forward to that. But as I'm talking to you, I'm realizing this is perhaps what my ancestors are calling me to do because the, the, whatever I don't like about having to have a job pales in comparison Mm. 
to to the to to what the ancestors of this land mm. went through and how they're calling me to step in to be of service in the healing process in some way i mean i i believe you again we can get super fancy about healing and how it's done ceremony this that and ultimately life serves us the the buffet of of what our real purpose is Mm -hmm. there's like it's here we don't really have to search very far to know what our soul or our ancestors or spirit wants us to put attention on to be present to and that coherence of when we are present to what is actually alive that is ultimately the only purpose like I mean I I obviously like I I love to be able to be in dialogue about people's purpose and like what it looks like and the flavor of it and how you do it. And like, how can you like, you know, cultivate something that is, that allows you to build generational wealth and also gives you back. And like, I was saying to you, like, and fund the movement, right? Like someone's got to fund the movement, all those things. But ultimately the purpose is like, can you be coherent with your now? Because we don't know what blessings open up when we're actually coherent with the now. And we can demonize a certain idea of what life looks like because we don't want it because we have this other ideal. And, you know, and I know like many people are into, you know, manifestation and, and I, I mean, I'm, I, I do those practices. And also at the same time, I have to remember that I'm a limited human Mm -hmm. and not every neuron in my brain is, you know, is firing off. So in that humility, can I know that the universe really does have my back when I show up to be in coherence? And in in, in some of these things that we're talking about, you know, like why we started the conversation, ultimately it's about coherence. Mm -hmm. Ultimately it's about coherence. It's like when one of my, you know, white students is doing a practice that, you know, she's making money from the thing and it's not of her lineage. Ultimately, if she can just look at herself in the mirror and know that within her are those ancient practices that live within her. Like life doesn't lie. It just doesn't lie. Right. I mean, I grew up at, so let me tell you something. I grew up in Latin America. I had very small connection to my Indian background. There's not a whole lot of Indian people in Venezuela. Mm. <laughs> I think we knew one other family and they lived like, you know, 10 hours away from us. And, and even though I see myself as culturally Latina, that's like, that's my culture. I, how can I ignore this face? And like, how do I ignore my name? Asha Ramakrishna? Are you kidding me? Like, that's your birth name, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, it, who I am doesn't lie. Right. And, it, and yes, I know that many people maybe look at it like, well, you're lucky, you, you're Indian and, you know, there's a whole lineage. But 
so is everyone else. There is a lineage in your bones. There is a lineage in your bones. You know, I'm so glad you say that because, you know, there's aspects like I know I, I learned. Uh, so my my um, the dad that raised me is not my biological dad. OK, he's my adopted dad. And I I learned in my 20s who my biological dad was and I met him and turns out um, he was telling me about our lineage and um, turns out I'm seventh generation Shakta. And I didn't know that, but in my exploration of therapeutic vocalization, I had a, a voice teacher at a certain point who had us get in touch with our voice and, and I don't know that she asked for us to get in touch with ancestral voice, but I had a very strong experience in my early explorations of therapeutic vocalization of very sort of Native American vocalizations just coming through me without me trying to do it that way that's just what came through and it was this like reunion i could feel the grandmothers there and it's uh i didn't know that i had the connection to that uh, an actual blood lineage connection to that lineage for until you know years later and Yet I don't have any tribal official tribal affiliations that my birth, my biological father is not on my birth certificate. It would be quite a challenge to re regain that information. It's not a, a, a challenge that is not something that I've pursued. And, and yet that is there in my bones. So now to this day, a, a big part of my um, healing practice that I also share with others is this healing vocalization. Now I don't claim to be singing any particular Native American songs, but it definitely has that flavor when I get into my flow of therapeutic vocalization. And so that's a kind of a tricky position for me to be in. And you know, yeah. if, if something like that unfolded for me. So I think a lot about this because I have two daughters who are white passing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like blue eyes, blondish hair, you know, like if you can believe that. Wow. And, <laughs> you know, and I, I, and as, and I want them, of course, like I invite them to connect to these rich heritages that mm -hmm. I, that I am lucky enough to be a part of. And of course, and what I also ask them to do is to stay present to the fact that the way they look gives them a level of visibility and privilege. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that they disown the parts that look more like me. Right. It just means that they get to position themselves in a way that they understand mm -hmm. that they have access to something beyond what I had access to yeah. or yeah. what even our, you know, our family in India has access to. And it's not just about the way they look. I mean, that's like central, of course, 
but it's also about the level of education, right, that we have access to is that both of their parents are college, you know, graduates. It's that we live in the country that we live in, that they have access to being able to go to college, like, you know, all these things that are part of the, the, the platform that mm-hmm. they get to sit on. And so if, so if one of them said something like what you said, the first thing would be is go look for the teacher. Mm-hmm. Go sit with the elder. Mm-hmm. Go sit with the elder and, you know, life opens doors in ways that are miraculous, even if legally, you know, things aren't what, what it would seem like would allow you access to that. But if we go and sit with the elders, then that thing that you heard, that thing that you've been practicing may actually get fine-tuned and may actually get like more precise because, you know, it's like we're it's like we're hearing a language that we don't know, right? Even we, me with Sanskrit, right? It's a language that I didn't grow up with. I mean, yes, it's in my bones, it's all that, but it, it's not something I grew up with. I'm my, my first language is Spanish. So for me, it's like, it's, it's still a translation for me. And so what refines it if, if I sit with the teachers who really know it? Mm. Yeah, unfortunately, the the teachers of that lineage are very difficult to find. I mean, most of the Shaktas converted to Christianity to save their lives. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And where is that? Where is that that tribe from? Um, They were on the Trail of Tears. Uh-huh. So they were marched from, we were marched from uh, farther east, mm-hmm. you know, to um, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Arizona, that, you know, I think more like Oklahoma mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. on the Trail of Tears. Wow. Yeah. And then, um, and now my biological father, uh, he may have passed away. I didn't stay in touch with him, mm-hmm. but his, what his job was, is he was an ethnomusicologist and he was archiving records of that, the Shaktas. Um, you gotta go find his research. Well, they were singing Christian hymns. Oh. They're singing Christian hymns. Yeah, because they had to, just like my people in Venezuela. Right. Yeah. So the sounds that are coming through me. Yeah. There's no. Yeah. Here's that I'm. There's no elders that still have that, as far as I know. Yeah. The nuance, right? I mean, that's that's part of all this. The conversations that we're having is that there is so much nuance. But when I have, yeah, there is, it's tons of nuance and, uh, but uh, there is hope in that story for me because uh, recently someone um, made me aware that there, there's a California when I'm in California, 
So first of all, it's economically prohibitive for me to go traveling to and showing up as a, you know a very white looking person and demanding to meet the shop the shaman who's gonna who I can sit with you know that that wouldn't really work but but there's now a, a group in California of shaktas that eventually migrated to California that occasionally have gatherings and so there is a possibility of connecting with that um, with those people and and finding a connection there and so I, I really appreciate you sharing that that perspective and it's something that I have been inviting for quite some time and asking for, but it's been a very gradual thing. And the more present thing for me is connecting and having a relationship with the people of the land where I live. And I've felt mm -hmm. called by the energies of this land for many years of my life yeah. in, in relationship with, with the ancestral energies of this land and 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 I'm so glad that we're having this conversation because you know things haven't gone the way I thought they were <laughs> gonna go and they're going in new beautiful ways that require things of me that I'm like oh do I really have to do this and of course I have to do this when I mm. sit within this context you know of course I'm willing to mm -hmm. and in that willingness I can trust that I'll be cared for. And that when I really am in communion with the, the ancestral spirits that are guiding me, mm -hmm. I keep being reassured that of course I'm going to be cared for and that I'm being asked to be in service in that way. And to, to use my academic privilege and all of these other privileges that you're talking about in service to turn that back around, to be in genuine service which means I have to set aside my fantasies of having a super cushy, you know, life that feels good all the time hmm. and make, make a bit of a sacrifice sometimes in order to be able to be in service. And that's another thing I wanted to bring forth because there's a nuance to feeling good, right? There's a lot of people out there that just want to feel good all the time. Mm -hmm. And Yet that can very much turn into spiritual bypassing and, you know, this mandate to just be positive and paint a smile on everything and mm. get your life set up so that you are in the cushiest position possible and always feeling good is sort of, I feel like neglecting some work that needs to be done to, to bring everyone into a position that we can all feel good all the time, because, yeah. you know, at a certain degree, at a certain level, when, when, you know, especially for white folks, if we're just, you know, using our privilege to make sure that we feel good all the time without giving back to the communities that don't have access to a lot of that. And that's part of the disconnect, right? And that we've all been kind of like, that's part of the system has wired things so that we're disconnected and we just really think about ourselves. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when, and even when we make that connection, not to sound like a broken record, but even when we make that connection back to the indigenous stewards, not only is it about, you know, the permissions and the blessings and how they have our back and all of that. It's also that we're acknowledging that 
that there's a framework and, and, um, and a network of energy that is about community, right? Like these communities were not about just in it for the individual. Mm-hmm. It was about the whole community. Yeah. Right. And so, so even tapping into that, and this is why, like, I'm so in love with the permissions thing. Like I'm telling you that like rocked my world. Mm-hmm. The moment I understood that that's what exactly what was missing in my own spiritual journey mm-hmm. was like asking permissions, asking permissions of the directions, asking permissions of my own spirit, asking permissions of the indigenous steward. I was tapping into something that was beyond just me, me, this little or one, one point of organism. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is just like that, the fallacy, the fallacy that that is what is going to allow us to thrive mm-hmm. is exactly what's making us feel so separate. And it's asked exactly what's making us feel disconnected and like not in tune with the impact that we have on each other. And so you know, how, how do we build that back up? Like we build that backpack to acknowledging like, oh my gosh, this ground that I get to live on that, like I own, like, okay, BS on that. Right. I don't own this. I'm a steward of this. I'm a steward of this because it was stolen from someone else. And so this, what you said about like, there's healing to be done in the land, but there's also richness in the land and it will pulse back to you its own richness it just does (laughs) yeah and you know I just bought a home for the first time um even though I don't really believe in the in the land ownership and feel in fact I feel it's it's part of the wounding that we all experience and it's you know that whole system needs to change in order for us to heal collectively but that is exactly what you said is what helped me to recognize that basically buying a home was the only way we were going to get an affordable place to live where we're living now because so many places have burned and the rentals are just astronomical and our landlord's home had burned where we were renting and they were selling their place, the place where we were living, which was guaranteed to make it untenable and the, the new the new landlords were definitely going to raise the rents and do all kinds of we did, we knew we needed to get out of there but we were able to find a home where the mortgage was a reasonable rental where we wouldn't have been able to find a rental you know a reasonable monthly price and so but uh, to wrap myself around that it was like oh i get the privilege to steward this land and we found Mm -hmm. a place that has an extra lot and it has a beautiful fruit orchard the previous owner planted and and I'm learning how to you know I'm letting that guide me and so I that my one of my first projects was figuring out how to harvest the gray water and and liberate the water from the sewage system wow to give it back to the trees Wow. And to give it back to the land, which is so thirsty here. And so Mm -hmm. letting the water flow away from this land after we use it just didn't make any sense to me. So I got my drill and I own this garage now. So I'm going to drill a hole in it and I'm going (laughs) to 
I'm going to make the laundry water go out into a tank and I got tanks and I got and and that was the guidance that is like liberate the water from the system Wow! so that the water that I'm using for my laundry for my dishwashing and all of that is going back to the land right here instead of off to some plant and who knows where Mm -hmm. and so it's simple things practical things like that that can start the process of like okay now what and I love what you're saying about permissions Mm -hmm. And it's just reframing a lot of things because, you know, and and a practice for me is when things don't go the way that I plan now, I'm saying, can I ask, did I ask for permission? First of all. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes it's like, there's just something that we just got to tweak. You know, there's just like a little tweak. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, it's a different offering or, or it's some, something. And we don't know until we ask. right? Right. But but people are afraid to ask permission of anyone they because they might either know, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do? We bypass the asking yes. because we're like, well, I'm I'm. It's not that I'm entitled, but we kind of are. Yeah. Um. You know, but I'm just like afraid of the no. Yeah. But like, what's really underneath that, right? So so even though the perception that this persona that we're putting out is the entitlement. What's really underneath that is the deep pain of what it feels like to be abandoned, to have someone not actually meet you where, where you're asking to be met. Mm. And, and, and that we just haven't been, we haven't been taught how to be okay with like when someone says no, and, and, and they're really saying like, I need you to, I need you to show up a little differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, can you do that for this relationship? Can, mm. is there something in you that you can shift? Is there, is there that pain that you're feeling? Is there a, a way for you to go deeper in that? And you see how the thread of the conversation we're having has so much to do with this appropriation topic that you wanted to uncover because we can say they're entitled and we can say all these things, but ultimately it's about a deep pain of disconnection. Ultimately, that's what it is. Like people are just like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. Like, give me anything. Oh, transcendental meditation, cool. Oh, yoga, cool. Oh, um, Zen Buddhism, cool. Like, give me something, give me something to fill this void because yeah. not only am I healing as an individual, I'm also like having to heal like all this stuff that happened in my lineage. And I don't have a clue how to do that. Mm. Yeah. But the truth is that we do, it lives in our bones. It lives in our bones. Mm. And it's just be, that beginning of sitting, sitting with that truth. And, you know, do like, do we have the courage to sit in stillness with that? <laughs> That's the next piece. Right. And, and for me, like, you know, in this process of, you know, needing to wait for these healing practices that I've developed to, get to a place where they're ready to be shared in a bigger way and ready to support me financially, right? There's a process that needs to happen that I'm I'm needing to allow to take the time. So that means that, you know, since my usual way of bringing in finances has stopped because of COVID, 
I need to find another way and not just rely on this underdeveloped thing that needs a different kind of attention that needs a different, that needs to be nurtured and not be demanded upon to nurture me yet. Right. Or it's not, it's not ready. It's not ripe. And it's, it's definitely nurturing me in a smaller way, but it's, you know, and that, and so, so being willing to be sort of redirected and guided is opening up all these opportunities. Like I had this big shift of, from, from feeling like a failure because I wasn't able to, to squeeze my livelihood out of this, this fetus of a creation that wasn't Mm. ready to do that yet. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) To, Oh, wait a second. I can be in service to nurture that by going in this new direction. And there's all these other opportunities that are going to require some effort from me that are going to, you know, require me to, to go into arenas that are like, little scary for me and And parallel you know parallel is like so is it when you when each of us have been practicing someone else's spiritual practices it really does require that level of courage that I hear from you Mm -hmm. like it takes a lot of courage to say like I mean I could probably fake this thing and it could, I could probably do it, but you have the wisdom (laughs) to say, you know, I'm wise enough to know that this needs a little more growing. Yeah. Well, I'm not willing to push it. I can like the guidance that I see is that it's mirroring my growth. And there are other pieces to my growth that need to fill this out that require Mm -hmm. me going over here for a minute, you know? (laughs) For a minute. Exactly. Exactly. Because that doesn't mean that this dream can't flourish. Exactly. And, you know, like, okay, you're being told no, like we all do. We get told no. And it's like, okay, let me go over here, learn a few things, get shift my mind a little bit, shift my heart a little bit, shift my feet a little bit. And then oh yeah, like in that time I've grown, I've gathered new skills mm-hmm. and I'm now ready to do this thing. And we don't know, you know, we, we can't always know exactly the seasons that are intended for each of us. We, we, right. we I mean, we can sort of look at our aunts, you know, our, our, our mothers, our grandmothers, or like people in our lives to sort of get markers of what seasons people go into, but ultimately like each of us individually have our own relationship to our soul and to spirit. So, yeah. Well, listen, Asha, I really want to appreciate you. I, I feel like this kind of went into uh, let's support Jessica in her, in her transition session, but it also got you got to let you feature some of the wisdom that you're bringing. And I just really want to appreciate your wisdom around all of that and for sharing it with me it really touched me in a lot of wonderful ways and I feel um I feel very grateful for you for the for bringing your wisdom in such a supportive way not only for me personally but for the community that this podcast will reach who might also relate to some of the things we've been sharing about and and be able to 
uh, benefit from the wisdom that you've shared. So, uh, and I know that you've been talking about these training programs and um, could you share a little bit about what's your next training program in case somebody wanted to check it out or how can yes, people get in touch with you. you about that? Yeah, first, um, you are worthy. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, you know, sometimes like these podcast episodes do turn into sort of like a demonstration healing session. Yeah, I mean, who together. can't relate yeah. to what you're going through? Right. I mean, I don't know. If they can't, then like, I'll, we need them on the podcast. Right, right. <laughs> um, so you are worthy. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yes, um, we are going to be opening up registration for Sacred Commerce in November. And before that, um, we're going to be doing a, a Dharma challenge, which is where we kind of like dive into um, our Dharmic archetype, meaning our soul archetype that wants to like kind of come out now, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, and there's the way that people can kind of begin to access that information before it opens up is um, a link is Asha. So my website, ashaisnow.com and forward slash Dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A. Ashaisnow.com forward slash Dharma. And they can down, they can, they'll get the archetypes and then we will notify them when the Dharma challenge opens up, which will be soon. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much. And that, that sounds so aligned with the, the ancestral healing process that um, is coming up for the, this whole ancestral healing podcast series is sort of a, a you know little tasters of getting people curious about ancestral healing. So I'm doing a month long program coming up um, starting the end of October, and so oh, wow. um, so October 31st. Uh, to help people connect with their own ancestral lineage and the healing energies there. Um, and, you know, addressing some of these things that we've been talking about here, um, which are really important to me. And so they can find out about that. Folks, listeners can find out about that by going to wombcenteredhealing.com and looking under the online courses tab and you'll find the ancestral healing page there. So um, thank you so much once again, Asha, for joining us. Are there any last words of wisdom you'd like to share before we wrap up? Hmm. Well, I kind of want to go back to what you said of um, your own journey and that not just for you, but for anyone, any, any of us, all of us, is that there is no shame in the human experience that we're having, mm. that it really is divinely orchestrated and guided exactly what we're experiencing. And it's no secret that we are being asked to do bigger work right now. It, we wouldn't be in this place, in this moment in our civilization if, if the this if spirit, if consciousness weren't asking something big of each of us. So there's just no shame in what we each experience. And like, can we just like love on ourselves for exactly where we are and yeah. and lean on each other and support each other? as we're going through that, because you may be going through one thing now, 
And then, you know, in a couple of years, I may be going through something now or where someone else listening is going through something now, or if not now, they know someone who's going through something now. And, and that's kind of the network mm-hmm. that I, the land um, reminds us of too, mm-hmm. is that we're not, it, we're not having individual experiences, even though it feels that way. <laughs> yeah. So beautiful. Yes. And this is one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast, because I get to spend an hour or so with folks like you to Mm. remind ourselves of that and feel supported and support each other and talk about how we can support each other going forward. So um, thank you so much for joining me for that. And um, yeah, that's all for now. Um, That's all. Yeah. Thank you. Until next time.